Today's readings uh, taken from the uh, letter of Paul to the Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present age of evil, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the, the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are the, some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. We are uh, starting a new year, and in that year we are starting a new uh, series today. Um, normally, well, quite often, I like to uh, preach from one book in the Bible at a time. Uh, it's not always, but quite a, quite a bit. And the reason I like to do that is because I like to... to focus on where we are and where this uh, particular passage was written, the history around it. I think it gives us a better idea of what's going on. Uh, today, we're not only starting, we're, we're not exactly starting a new book, we are starting a new letter. Now, these letters from Paul, uh, they were sent to churches, and oftentimes they were read in church. They were part of the, almost the worship. The, these letters would be passed around. That's why we still have them uh, today is because they were passed around to other churches and things like that, and people would study them and learn from those. Paul was an interesting dude. He was um, a force to be reckoned with. He has some things that he has said uh, that um, upset people at the time if he was mad at you. Uh, you would know it. Uh, they, he has some things that he has said that has still upset people to this time. Uh, he's a, an opinionated person, and he is a force. But without him, there's a good chance we wouldn't be sitting in church today. Uh, Paul was the person that um, he started out as a, uh, he was a zealot hunter of Christians. He, uh, his job, he felt his calling was to hunt down Christians and persecute them. There were people at this time of the, uh, the, that he has written this that are probably still in prison and some of them that have lost their lives because of the, th the actions of Paul, and he knows that. He had a moment in his life where he was on his way to Damascus. He was knocked down. He was blinded, and the only thing that he could see was the risen Christ, the risen Christ who said, Paul, why do you persecute me? There was a life-changing moment for him. He walked away, he, he did some, some study, he, he did some soul searching, he came back with the feeling that his call was to open the church and expand it to the Gentiles. That, that's us. I, I don't know if, I, I'm assuming that most of the people here are not uh, Jews by, by bloodline and, and birth. And so this was a radical thing for Paul. And what he would do is he would start churches uh, he, would, he was known as, uh, his profession was a tent maker. 
And oftentimes it's believed by some that what he would do is he would go into communities and he would set up shop and he'd get to know people and, and he'd make tents and things like that. And then he would start to preach the gospel. He'd start to spread uh, uh, things. And before he knew it, he'd have a group of people that were willing to start this new, this new church, this new movement. At the time, it wasn't even known as Christianity. It was either known as the way or just Jesus followers. And he was ready to start this Jesus follower movement. And what he would do is he would get this church started, he would spend some time with them, and then he had to go out to start another church. Paul wasn't about just resting in one church, he was about spreading this message and making sure that Gentiles knew about this risen Christ. And so he would, where we're at now is it's been about a little over probably a guesstimation about beyond 20 years since the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul has been starting these churches, and he starts its one in Galatia, right there. It's believed that this letter is actually was originally sent to southern Galatia. That today is Turkey. Okay? So that's where we're at at this time. Paul starts this wonderful church, and then he moves on to the next thing. But while he's gone, something happens. And he gets word that some people have come in, and they've told the, this early church that what they're doing is wrong, that the way that they are worshiping Christ is wrong. They can be Christian, but they're reminded that this is a Jewish faith. And in order to follow Jesus, they must become Jews, meaning they have to adhere to the diet restrictions, no more bacon sandwiches during church time. They had to acknowledge all of the holidays. And if you were a male, it was time to get circumcised. This shook things up, and this upset Paul. This is why he uh, says, you know, to those that preach differently, let them be accursed. Paul never held back his feelings or his words. One of my favorite swear words in the Bible comes from Paul. He's a great guy. Uh, but he comes back with the letter, and he tells them that they are, have been told wrong, and it starts this argument. Okay? So that's what's going on. But let me paint a picture of what Galatia was like at this time. This is the time that where Paul plants the church. What you have in this community, first off, this is a Roman-occupied community. A lot of these populations, they would be started by retired Roman soldiers. And these Roman soldiers would come in with their idea of God. And that was Caesar. Caesar Augustus was God. Caesar Augustus was known as son of God before that term was given to Jesus. And they worshiped him. And Caesar in all the forms, that was God. And you were expected, if you lived in that community, you were expected to worship Caesar. There were monuments of him. There were statues of him. There were descriptives on the statues and those descriptives of saying of how great he were were commonly referred to as the gospel. And so that's why Paul in this letter is saying, you're following a different gospel. He's pointing out a little bit of that there's a lot of stuff going on in this community, but you're not following the gospel that I gave you. Okay, so we've got that going on. Also in this town is a huge amount of pagans, Gentiles, us. Now, at the time, our, the things that we worshipped were quite different. We worshipped multiple gods. 
Polytheism is what we practice. You would have gods for different things. You did not just worship one god. You had a god if you wanted to, to build a crop. If you wanted your, your farmland to grow, you had a god for that. If you wanted your family to grow, you had a special god for that. If you wanted money, you had a god for that. We all had gods for different things. And there were temples around the community where you would go as a community and worship these gods. And then you also had the home version kit. They were like, uh, like, like superhero figures. You know, you just, you, and you placed them on your, your thing here of all these gods. And it was expected that you worshiped these gods. It was expected because if you didn't worship these gods and those gods got mad, something bad would happen to the community. It was at this time things like earthquakes, famine, disease, sickness, they were explained by somebody has made these gods angry and this is a punishment that we are facing. So you not only worship these gods out of faith, you worship them out of fear. So that's what's going on. And then there's a small pocket, a significant, but a small pocket of Jews. Now, the Jews are the first people in our history that brought together a term that before this we didn't know existed, monotheism. We worship one God, and that was it. Now, you're in a community where you are expected to worship all of these gods, but in come these Jewish people that say, I would rather die. I will not worship any other god except my god, and I would rather die. Now, Rome has a history of being a little bit cruel, but they also have a history of building societies, of building governments. And so to mass extinct somebody was not really in the plan if they could make it work. And so early on, they cut a deal with the Jews. You can worship your one God. You, the bloodline of the Jews, you can continue to follow this that you have followed for hundreds of years with the exception of this. When you worship that God, you give thanks to that God for Caesar. That was the political deal that was cut right from the beginning. And that allowed the Jews to remain Jews. They were the anomaly in this town. Everybody else was required to worship Caesar and also to go to all of these monuments, all of these structures, all of these home little clay pot things and worship them. You were required and expected to go to the religious holidays. On Thursday, we have to go to this and worship this because we need the crops. On Wednesday, we have to go over here. And then we have to go to Dell's house because he's got the cute one of this. And we all want a family, so we're going to go worship this one over here at the meeting there. And it was expected that you were all to be there. Because if you missed it, something bad would happen to that community. So, you've got people that are worshiping Caesar, you've got people that are worshiping several gods. The only thing that stands out is the Jews, and the only reason that they're given this is because of their bloodline. You are an authentic Jew. Occasionally, occasionally, a Gentile would love to see what the Jews were doing, and they called them God-fearers. And those people wanted to know how, what it took to be Jewish. And so what they had to do was conform to Judaism. In other words, they had to become Jewish. They had to follow the, 
the, the, the food plan. They had to follow the holidays. They had to follow everything the Jews told this church. That's what God-fearers would do if they wanted to be Jewish. They had to be circumcised. And so there were some of those that were haunting around. But now we are in a time that is monumental, that is truly game-changing. We are at a time where Christianity, boom, has been planted. We are at a time where the resurrected Jesus, something that has never happened before, has now happened. And those, many of those Jewish followers are now becoming Christ followers. They see it as the continuation of the Jewish faith. When, Judaism, when uh, Christianity first started, it was Jewish. It was completely Jewish. It was made uh, and believed by people that were, were made to carry this message forward. It is our job to carry this message forward. For hundreds of years, we've been told that we are the messengers of this message. We've been told as early as Abraham that this message will spread out when God's kingdom starts. It will spread out to everybody, but right now we are the messengers. We are the chosen ones to carry this message forward, and we will die for that message. And so you have these Jewish people that are now becoming Christian. And then walks in this short, bald guy named... He was short and bald. <laughs> Paul walks in, and he starts saying that his calling is to open this Christianity to everybody, to everybody. And he has told his church of pagans that want to now be Christians that they do not have to be Jewish. They don't have to conform. You do not have to change. What's happened in your life, the things that you eat, your diet plan, all of that stuff, that doesn't have to change. The only thing that changes is what you worship. You no longer worship and idolize all of this kind of stuff. You worship Jesus Christ now. That makes you part of the family. So now you've got these pagans that aren't Jewish that are now following what many people perceive as an early Jewish faith. But it's so important for Paul to get people into this. Remember, the Jewish people think that this is going to happen someday down the road. But what Paul teaches us is this. Before Christ, we were in the present evil age. Now, this is what he says in the, in the, God, the letter that we just, wrote, we just read there. Jesus' resurrection rescues us from the present evil age. This is where we are sins, we, slaves to sins and idolatry. Jesus tells us about the age to come, the second coming of Christ, when we were all one with Christ, when God comes to earth and transforms the world and makes it the kingdom of heaven. For Paul, what he taught is that we are now, as Christ followers, because of the resurrection, we are in between this. We, we are in this kind of strange time where we are part of the time to come, but we are also within the present evil age. We, are, we see bad things happen, but as Christians, we're not there to cause those bad things. We are there to represent the time to come. And that's why it was so important for Paul saying, this has started the resurrection of Jesus, this has started. That message that he gave to the Jews 
about this spreading, this has started now. This is something completely new. So now this kingdom is for everybody. Everybody comes in. You get to come in. You get to come in. It doesn't matter your bloodline anymore. It doesn't matter what you're a part of. You get to come in and be part of this because this is where we are. Now this story, if I can pause just for a second, this story for years has been preached as Paul the good guy wanting everybody to come in against the evil Jewish people that want to come and tell the church, no, in order to be this, you've got to conform to us and all of this kind of stuff. You have to be circumcised. You have to do all of this kind of stuff. And for years, it has caused a division. We so, we so want to read these stories as good person versus bad person. Paul's the good guy. Everyone come in. The Jews, they're the bad ones. And for years, this has helped to aid a lot of hatred in our world. But I want us to step out of this for just a second. I want us to look a little bit closer at some things. Let's, I'm asking you, now every time we go into a story, we always have our preconceived notions. Uh, even when we read something like this, we have our idea of who the person is that we want to root for and all of this kind of stuff. But I'm going to ask us to open our minds. I'm going to ask us to step outside of our comfort zone and picture ourselves as the other players. The best way for me to read the gospel is I read it once to, to uh, understand what it is. I read it again and again, putting myself in the role of everybody taking part in this. Whether I see them as a good person or a bad person, it helps me with my empathy. So I'm asking us to ex exercise a bit of empathy about thinking about other people here, okay? Now again, let's walk through this. We have Rome. This is an occupied Rome. Rome tells you to worship Caesar. We have the pagans now. If you're a pagan, you worship all of these other gods, not only out of faith that you might get what you pray for, but you're also afraid. Because what you've been taught throughout your life is that your gods, you can make them mad. And if you make them mad, they'll punish you. And the punishment can mean disaster. And so if the community, everybody in the community is not there for the various worships of these gods, is not partaking in this, you're afraid. You're scared of that. Now imagine you are a community right here. You are a community of pagans right here. And your job is to continue to do this exercise of worship. You've got the home kit, you've got the monuments, you've got the special holidays, and you are required and expected to be at all of those. But suddenly Gary stops showing up at the meetings. Suddenly Gary, you see him taking his home kit and it's been put curbside. Suddenly you are afraid now because everybody is expected to worship these gods. If we don't, these gods are going to get mad. And now Gary is not doing what he's expected to do. He's not worshiping these gods with us. What's going to happen? If he stops worshiping these gods, bad things are going to happen. Suddenly Gary stops going to meetings. And then Brian's car doesn't start. Who do you blame, Brian? 
You don't blame the judge. It's Gary's fault. The store closes before you get to it. You're not able to get the pizza that you wanted. Whose fault is it? Gary's. Your crops don't grow the way that they should. You got bad rain. You got drought. Whose fault is that now? Gary's. Sorry, Gary. That's what's going on. So now the community of pagans is verbally and at times physically abusing Gary because Gary has left this requirement to go join this bunch of weirdos led by this short, bald guy. And that's weird. And they're afraid of that. And the way that they were raised in their culture, one would say that they almost had a right to be afraid because that's what they were taught. That's what they were programmed. And now we also have the Jewish folks. The Jewish folks that have for centuries followed the one true God, so much so that they have been taught and they believe in their heart of hearts that this God is worth dying for. And they got a pretty good thing going right now. They get, to practice, they get to practice everything. They get to practice their faith. They don't have to delve into the pagan stuff. And Rome leaves them alone as long as they thank their God for their God. They play the political game. But now, short, bald man, I'm going to say a little heavy set too. <coughs> Building the whole thing here. He starts telling these guys that if they just come in, they, if Gary just comes into the church, all he has to do is believe in Christ. He doesn't have to do anything else. But now the Jewish people are like, hey, we only got this free ride because of our blood heritage of being Jewish. Now, if you start opening up this community and letting everybody into this thing, isn't Rome going to be saying, okay, now you've gone too far. You guys are bloodline Jews, but these guys aren't. And if you think that these guys can now be part of this without worshiping all of this stuff, what's Rome going to do? Let's just kill the Jews. And so these new Christian Jews have a right, an understanding of why they're afraid. They're not prejudiced against the pagans. They're afraid of them. They are afraid that everything now, because of this short, fat, bald guy, heavyset, let's just go with heavyset, short, heavyset, bald guy, is now opening this weird door, starting this weird thing, and it has everybody nervous now. And Paul is not doing it casually. He's not saying, oh, wouldn't it be neat if we just had this church and if you just came and all that kind of stuff? Wouldn't that be, gosh, shucks, just wouldn't you? He is saying, we are going forward with this because we are living in this time. We are in the resurrection area, and this is the opening right here. Everybody in, and our faith is driving us forward. And anybody that argues with that, be accursed. That type of revelation, that type of zealot faith scared the crud out of everybody. And so the Jewish folks, they just want to keep the peace. They want people to come to Christ. They want people to be Christian because they believe in this. 
They believe in the risen Christ. Many of them know people that witnessed it. It's only been about a little over 20 years. And so they think in order to not rock everything, not to be weird and not get Rome after us, if the people that joined this could just conform and be Jewish, it worked for the God-fearers. They were able to become Jewish. So you guys just become Jewish, and we all play nice. Wouldn't that be great? Just stop eating the bacon. And go to the things. And, and cut... Just circumcise yourself. Who said ouch? <laughs> yeah, these are adults, people that they're talking to right now. It is a volatile time, and it is a time that makes everybody nervous. It's understanding why people would be at odds with each other, even at the beginning of this church in Galatia. And it's not, it's not hard to imagine because guess what? We're still fighting this. We are still fighting this. The reason this letter is being read today, a 2,000-year-old letter, is because it still needs to be read. We are still worshiping idols. We are still running away. We are still playing politics. We are still not letting people into our church. We are still doing all of the things that this church was told to do because we're afraid. You know, you think about worshiping idols. And to me, sin, the basis of sin, that's what we do. We worship idols. Sin is the turning away from God. It's being off the mark. It is uh, when you are focused on God, anything that takes you away from that focus, that is sin. And how do we do that? It's usually when we shift our alliance to something we idolize. We might not have the figures at home, but we still idolize things. We idolize money. We idolize power. We focus on those things. We focus on uh, various relationships. We focus on, you know, whatever the case may be, greed, all of that stuff. We also idolize fear. We also idolize fear. Fear right now is one of the biggest money-making prospects for people. Networks, social media, all of that stuff, they want you to be afraid, and you get connected to it. You start following things that make you afraid. The what ifs, and what if these guys come in and do this, and what if this, and what if this, and you start to feed on that fear. You have now turned away from this, and you are now living fully here. You are now a sin, a slave to that sin of idolizing. And that was what the Galatians were doing, and that's what Paul's telling us right now. Don't do that. You don't have to be afraid. It is our faith that brings us forward. The reason we go forward is because we are in faith. Yes, it is a volatile world that we live in. It was a volatile world now, and it's a volatile world then. And Paul was saying, it's our faith that brings us forward in this. We look at people that worship Caesar back then, and we think, oh, that was foolish. But look what we're doing to our politicians. 
We are idolizing our politicians now. To many people, the politicians that they vote for are politicians that they worship now. We think that they will solve all of our problems and we will fight for them. They can do no wrong. We react out of fear. We, we feel like if we do something wrong, we're going to upset God. And then we also fear that our faith is so, this Christian faith is so fragile, even though it is based on somebody that fought and won death. We are still afraid that it's going to die if we change anything, if we alter, if we let them in, God's going to get mad. Christianity is going to die. We have taken the place of the Roman soldiers. We have taken the place of the pagans. We have taken the place of the early Jewish Christians. What we need to do is take the true place of the Christ followers and know we are part of something amazing. We are part of something bigger than all of us. Unshakable. And that we may have things that we fear in this world. We may have things that make us disagree in this world. But as Paul said, it is our faith that will carry us through because we are in the age of the resurrected Christ. That is us. We'll stop it there. That gives you, hopefully, a place of where this letter starts and where it's going to continue. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we, we follow this faith that has a foundation that was built like you, unbreakable. And yet we think it's so fragile. We think we're putting together... Lincoln logs, and that at the slightest touch, it's going to all crumble. Help us be reminded of where we are, that we follow the resurrected Christ, that that will carry us through. And that also means not to fear each other, to welcome, to celebrate, to worship. May we do that today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.